Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome Blake Wood, co-founder of APay. APay is a app-based system that helps its users um, understand, uh, track, and hopefully accelerate paying off their student loans. So obviously a huge addressable market. Uh, there's a, a boatload of student loans that are out there, faces some political hurdles, you know, how much and if student loans get forgiven by the federal government. But nonetheless, it's, a, it's an extraordinarily complicated system and you'll you'll learn that more just listening to Blake talk about his process and how he and his co-founder Owen approached it, what they did, and how they essentially developed the concept from, you know, as Blake describes, a kind of a passion project into an app, and then you know took it out there and started selling it and introducing it into the marketplace, into the world. So we focus a lot on the early part of the, um, the, the process just because I thought as a, as a young founder, they, they did a really nice job with it. So you'll hear us focus a lot more on the early stage development aspect of it rather than what happened with the app after the fact. But, um, and we do that just because I, I thought the intentionality that they brought to it was just really strong and really impressive, especially for young co-founders. So Really impressive young man, really excited for him and his co-founder for being able to sell out the business um, here over the course of 2021. But listen to this podcast and listen to the the approach that they took with it. And I think you'll take away some some neat tidbits of information about creating a business from scratch. Hey, Blake, welcome to the show, man. Excited to have you on board and um, talk about um, APay and y'all's journey here for the next 50, 60 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, William. I appreciate it and uh, excited to talk with you as well. So it's um, it's been a while since you and I first um, sat down, I believe, for coffee at the Whole Foods here in South Park. Um, so you and I go back a, a few years, um, but audience may not know you as well. So um, as you know, we like to start off with that little 30, 60 second commercial who, um, who Blake is. Um, get the juices flowing a little bit so we can dive, dive into the conversation from there. So um, give us that, that little background, if you don't mind. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, and, and to, to your point, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a while uh, since that first time we met. And uh, like I mentioned, I, I appreciate your kindness and, and generosity to meet with somebody who at that point had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. And uh, I know we talked about even, you know, the most basic things around starting a business. So so I, was I just, appreciate that. I was just one step ahead of you. So don't worry about it. It was, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, so my name is Blake. I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of APay Financial. Um, APay is a mobile app, um, which is a, a personal finance tool, but specifically for student loans. And, um, yeah, so the APay journey started, um, I guess back in 2019, May of 2019, when we officially launched, we closed a small family and friends round. We, we raised a little bit of outside capital and, and launched in May of 2019. Um, I guess the story kind of starts a little bit before that. Um, to your point, we, I think we, you and I met 
2018. And then even before that, this had, had been somewhat of a passion project of mine that eventually rolled into something that materialized, um, you know, through the help of a lot of local Charlotte guys that, that sat down with me and talked and, and introduced me to folks like you and, and, and investors and things like that. But yeah, um, we are uh, now in the process of, of uh, moving on to the next stage in, in our APA journey. And so excited to talk with you about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So talk a little bit, um, talk a little bit about um, prior to APA, um, background getting up to there. Um, so you were with one of the banks here in town. Was, was that your first job out of school? Um, so my first job out of school was in sales, believe it or not. So um, I met my wife at UNCW. Uh, she was a junior. I was a senior. And we, we got married shortly after she graduated school. Um, but after I graduated, I, I jumped into sales right off the bat. And um, actually, actually, one of the reasons why I did that is because my grandparents are actually immigrant entrepreneurs. And one of the things that they kind of communicated to me was, was, you know, some, some of the, the, the career decisions that they would like to see me pursue. And a lot of those, I was like, ah, you know, maybe we'll see. Uh, but my grandmother said, Hey, first job out of college, I would love for you to get into sales. She said, ultimately in life, you're going to be responsible for selling something. You're going to be selling yourself in an interview, or you're going to be selling a product, or you're going to be selling a service. Um, you know, so all throughout life, you're going to need this skill of, of learning how to um, communicate and sell some type of value proposition. And so I worked in sales for about a year and a half. And then um, at that point, I actually had the opportunity to transition over to Bank of America, where I worked on an FX trading desk. Um, and that was a back office ap uh, operations gig. Um, <laughs> kind of one of those things where I joined the bank and then immediately jumped into the grind of working on a trading desk. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's one of those things where, where folks at, at the bank kind of joke about it. Like, unless you've done your time in a back office type of position, then you don't really know what it's like to, to really put in the hours. But um, yeah, I did that for about a year. And then while I was working on that team, I had the opportunity to jump in on a project where we were building out a new um, like trading confirmation platform. And that was sort of my first time being exposed to this world of software development and that type of work. And I found myself like extremely engaged in just sort of the, 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 um, the deliverable type of, of, of workflow. Um, and I, I sat down with my boss and I said, Hey, um, I think I kind of have this thing where I'm, I'm potentially interested in, in leaving your team. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I said, if there's any opportunity where I can work in technology, I'd love to do that. Fast forward a few months, I joined a data management group in uh, global banking at, at B of A and worked there as a project manager uh, for about four years um, before starting APEI. So uh, yeah, it's been been a little bit of a journey. Um, started in sales, then worked in operations, then moved to technology, and then um, I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial uh, spirit about myself, where I knew uh, long term that I, I couldn't just sit in a cube, I couldn't sit on my hands all day, um, and and there was going to be something that kind of 
sparked the the curiosity to go out and build. And and that's really where, and, and I can talk about this later, but um, you know, one of the things that you kind of learn as you're building a company or product or or startup is that you have tendencies. And my tendencies was always to a fault uh, to build. Loved tinkering, loved building, loved designing. And um, and that's that's ultimately what led to uh, to building uh, APE. Yeah, that makes it makes a ton of sense. Um, so you mentioned earlier you're um, one of the founders. So that must mean, or as I know, that means there's there's a co-founder in there. At what point along the journey in the um, was it college or was it workforce that you stumbled into your co-founder? Yeah, so we actually met while working at Bank of America. Um, he was an intern. His name's Owen Brady. Um, he was an intern on our team, and um, I'll never forget he was he was working on some some uh, a, a small deliverable that I had, and and uh, he was kind of chipping away at it. Uh, smart guy, I could tell right off the bat that he he kind of had this this sense about him where he was a problem solver. Um, there was there's honestly nothing that I could could give him, especially at that time where he wouldn't just absolutely like knock it out of the park. And I noticed that he had more of a, a, a knack for uh, software development himself. Um, and him and I just over the course of several months uh, talking about um, certain things. And this in particular was something that I had been, like I said, at first was very much like a passion project of mine. And um, I remember one day we were talking and, and, and he, he kind of noted, he was like, Hey, Hey, I think we could, we could do this ourselves. And I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure we could. And, and he like, he, he, it was after work one day, he like showed me some, some stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, do you want to run with this together? And, and it was one of those things where we kind of like looked at each other and there was no real like verbal confirmation or anything. It was yeah. just like, you know, over time it turned into, you know, a day here, a day there. And then it was like, okay, we started meeting up every day and, you know, working on this together. Um, and so Owen acted as our full stack developer. So um, along the way, I mean, we kind of together uh, learned the ropes. Uh, you know, if you talk to him and I wish he could have been on here with us, but you talk to him, you know, e even as, as early as, you know, day one type of stuff where we're like, okay, how do we stand up a server? You know, how do we, how do we connect the server to a database? You know, we'll, we'll, how, how do we build data models and APIs and things like all, all this stuff that we ultimately had to learn how to do. Um, Owen's personality is geared very much towards if I don't know how to do it today, it's going to eat me alive <laughs> until I figure it out. And so in some ways, like our personalities were, were just perfect. And, and it ended up being uh, a really good, um, you know, working relationship. So you mentioned it's a passion project a couple of times um, so far already in the conversation. So mm -hmm. um, what in the, you can, you make the immediate leap. You had student loans coming out of school um, or you knew people that were affected by student loans coming out of school. What, um, what kind of drove you in that, that direction? Man, actually, believe it or not, I, I was fortunate that I didn't have any student loans coming out of school, but I did mention that my wife and I got married shortly after she graduated. And so in a lot of ways, I was very blind to the impact and the uh, ultimately what it meant to have student loans. Um, and so when we got married, 
um, it was one of those things where you, you have this six month grace period that they give you. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, whoa, like, wow, I'm, I'm responsible for paying off, you know, all these loans. And if I remember correctly, my wife had somewhere in the ballpark of 70 or $75,000 worth of loans. And it was n- never once <laughs> while we were dating or engaged or anything, did we talk about it? You yeah. know, and, and, and that's, that's a lot of the behavior that you see nowadays um, you know, that I would definitely encourage, you know, young couples out there that are dating or engaged or whatever to talk about those type of things because we didn't. And what happened was, um, you know, six months into being married, um, you know, we sit down together and we're like, whoa, you know, what do we do? This is it's a lot of money. Right. And um, we're, we're faced with like, you know, questions that we're not familiar with or, and, and, you know, you, you start getting on the phone with these loan providers and they tell you, you know, oh, we'll just go on a graduated payment plan or an income-based repayment plan or, and, and all these different options. And you're like, well, what's the best one for me? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. And they kind of, you know, they they do this, you know, day in and day out to young people. And they, and, and they, they kind of get you on this path and you just say, okay, sounds good. And yep. what happens is you're paying, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars or more a month. And the thought process becomes, okay, I'm just going to pay this four hundred dollars a month. And eventually I'm going to close my eyes, cross my fingers. And in, you know, 10, 15 years, it's all going to be gone. And the reality of that is the reality is that's not the case at all. Right. And so what I guess really kicked us in the pants was when we found out we were having our first uh, child. And um, I'll never forget the day, like, um, you know, I walked in the house and um, Taylor, my wife says, hey, you should go in in the spare bedroom. I think that there's a package in there for you or something. I walked in there and on the wall was a sign that said, new roommate coming, (laughs) you know, August of 2015. And I was like, Oh, wow. You know, I'm, I'm so excited. But at the same time, you know, 30 seconds later, I start thinking about finances yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I start thinking to myself, okay, expenses are inevitably about to increase. So there's two things that can happen here. Either one, I need to make more money or two, I need to decrease our, you know, how much money is going out the door. Right. Um, and, and the, the answer to that is, you know, eliminating death or, or, or debt. Sorry. And um, eliminating elim- death is always a good option too, just for reference point. <laughs> yeah, that, that would help everybody. <laughs> uh, eliminating debt. And, you know, also at the same time, trying to increase my salary and so forth. But um, so this kind of kickstarted a, 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 you know, a journey of let me sit down and look at our student loans at the time, um, didn't have any car loans, didn't have a mortgage. The only thing was our student loans. And that's honestly uh, what we have found throughout this journey is, is the case for a lot of young people, right? A lot of young people right out of school, you know, they're, they're driving a used car with no car payment. Um, you know, they don't have a mortgage, um, you know, it's, you know, and so student loans is, is oftentimes the first major financial responsibility that you have to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for, so, so of course what I did, because I'm coming from bank of America, I sit down and, and pop up and pop open, you know, a good old fashioned Excel spreadsheet. Right. And, and I, I list out all of our student loans 
And that's when I kind of had our, my come to Jesus moment where I said, Taylor, we need to talk about this. The, some of the balances have gone up since we first started paying off these student loans. And there were some loans where I said, how in the world are we paying, you know, six and a quarter percent interest on these loans? And why is it, like, why haven't, you, you, so a bunch of questions around what we were doing. And the reality is going back to what I said earlier is that these loan providers are trained to get people to agree to some monthly payment, regardless of the payment plan, some monthly payment, and you put that on auto draft and it's out of sight and out of mind. And what happens is folks like me, sadly, is you find out two and a half years later that you've been doing it all wrong, right? And so at that point, I kind of sat down and I said, hey, listen, we got to get serious about our student loans. And I started on this journey of finding, the first thing that came to my mind is surely there's some tools out there that can help me, right? Yeah, of course, and, a, uh, dummies or uh, student loans for dummies, right? Yeah. First thing on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so it was, it was interesting because I found some, you know, apps out there that was geared more towards student loans, but a lot of them without, you know, saying any names or anything were, were very like passive ways of managing your student loans. I think I shared this with you before. Yeah. Um, we talked about it at Whole Foods. Yeah. And so like, for example, one of the the solutions that exists out there today and, and that I, you know, looked into was something that took your spare change and applied it to your student loans. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, that just seems like a very, very passive way of trying to get ahead, right? It seems like, you know, it, it, it could provide some value, but when you're, you know, wanting to put your, your head down and really make some progress, you know, I need something that's a little bit more sophisticated, but also at the same time, you know, gives me an understanding of, of what I'm doing, not something that, you know, I just sort of throw spare change at. Right. And, um, and so, you know, we, we kind of, of Owen and I together started saying, you know, what are some of the, the pain points that we've experienced um, managing our student loans? What, what's sort of the, the, the norm, right. Um, that has caused such a massive, massive student loan, what some say student loan crisis. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, you know, you look back just a few years and there's actually like, you know, uh, you know, political figures that are running their entire campaign on the promise of, of, of canceling student debt. So if, if it's that big of an issue where, where somebody's saying, I'm going to base my whole entire, you know, campaign on the promise of, of, del of eliminating student loans, you, you, you'd have to, you know, think to yourself, okay, this is a, a pretty serious thing. So it's, it's a um, big problem with the large addressable market, right? Oh man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is what you look for in a startup. What's my total addressable market? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how the passion project turned into, uh, you know, APE. So like every other good entrepreneur out there, APE started off as a financial or as a spreadsheet. Is that right? Yes, yes. In some ways, that's that's exactly right. Or, or the or I guess, um, yeah, an outdated, antiquated, stale spreadsheet, which I mean, that, that that's exactly it. You know, when, when I sat down and, and opened up that spreadsheet, I put all the numbers in and I, you know, like made sure I had this great plan in place. And then what happens? You close your laptop, you open it back up three months later and you're like, 
man, I got to type in all these numbers again because yeah. I don't know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's the thing. A lot of tools out there today um, for student loans is what we call single session tools, right? So there's these online calculators out there, you know, plug this number in here, play with it there. That's a single session tool, right? And so what we, what we decide is like, hey, there's, there's plenty of tools and resources out there today. What we want to do is kind of wrap that in, you know, a, a little bit more newer technology and, you know, make it into a mobile app. And the reason why we wanted to go mobile is because nowadays everybody lives their lives on their mobile phones anyways, right? And student loans seem to be lagging behind. Uh, there was very, very, very few people that we talked to throughout the customer discovery process where we said, hey, how do you manage your student loans today? I don't know if I ran into one person that says, hey, I use this awesome app. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, you know, we would talk with people and they're like, um, I mean, yeah, I have them on auto draft and that's kind of it. So you, you mentioned a, a key component out there and you talked a little bit about this when we met at Whole Foods a couple of years ago. Um, you mentioned the term customer discovery. Um, so y'all, um, y'all went out there and talked to folks, right? Um, about their student loan experience and whatnot. What did y'all do? How did you, how did you kind of find out the, I mean, you knew the pain points yourself, right? And it's the, it's the difficult thing as an entrepreneur is, you know, a pain point, but you don't know everybody else's experience with the pain point, their reaction to the pain point. Um, and then, you know, their desire, some pain points you just live with and other pain points you want to get rid of. So what was y'all's customer discovery process like? Yeah, honestly. So good question. Um, a lot of it was first and foremost, talking to, you know, the, the folks that are in arms distance away, friends and family. And then outside of that, um, what you want to do is then just ask for referrals. Hey, can I talk to, you know, somebody else? Can I talk to your friend? Can I talk to your cousin, your brother, whomever it may be, because what we learned early on was how can we validate some of the assumptions that we have about these pain points? Kind of to your point, you know, is it something worth solving, right? And and that's 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 kind of a, a, a you know, a, a big thing that I would challenge a lot of entrepreneurs um, because personally, hey, student loans was a big deal for me. I felt the pressure of a new, uh, of a new kid being newly married, um, you know, just finances in general as, as a young, you know, 23, 24 year old at the time. Uh, but how, how's everybody else handling this? And so what I wanted to do was, was go out and get a feel for, um, you know, what, what method do you use? And, and really like the questions that, that I found most shocking was the same things that, that I kind of experienced as well. And, and it, it's interesting, there, there's research out there that, that shows, I think it's like 60% of all student loan borrowers can't tell you how much they currently owe within a $5,000 plus or minus. And Man, that's crazy to, to think to yourself, how many times have you heard this in the news or, you know, you, you kind of heard this secondhand, but nowadays tons of young people are, are delaying uh, starting families, buying houses, getting married, buying cars. And, and the thing that they point back to is their student loans. They say, yeah, I can't, I can't really think about getting married right now. I mean, I just have so much, so, so many, so much student loans. And, and I couldn't even think about buying a house right now. Well, why not? Well, because I have, 
I have a ton of student loans. And what's interesting, though, is if student loans is the problem that they're kind of pointing back to, then it's ironic that that 60 percent of people can't tell you how much they owe between a five thousand dollar plus or minus, um, you know, give or take. So if, it, if it's that important, if it's holding you up from all of these like major lifestone, like milestones in life, why can't you at least tell me that balance? And, and that was really, really interesting. The other interesting thing, same thing for me um, was, OK, how much are you paying in interest on your student loans? Not not like the dollar amount, but what's your interest rate? And I would have people say, um, I don't I mean, I think I'm I'm like, hey, listen, this is, <laughs> you know, your interest rate you know, significantly impacts how much, you know, you're, you're paying towards your loans and at what rate and, and so forth. I'll never, ever forget Owen and I were working on a pay at, um, at like a shared office location. And this guy uh, came over, introduced himself. Hey, what's up guys? What, what you guys doing? And we shared with him. We're like, hey, we're working on this, this mobile app. It's called a pay. It, it helps people manage their student loans. And he smiled and he said, and he said, Oh, that's, that's cool. I'm sure that's helpful. And I kind of just picked up this like sense of, of like, you know, I'm sure that's helpful for other people. And I was like, Hey, um, just by chance, do you have student loans yourself? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like, okay. And he goes, but I I don't think I would, I would need, um, I I honestly don't need like an app. Like I'm not struggling or anything. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like you have like a good job. He's like, yeah, I mean, I make a ton of money. I'm a software developer, you know, he makes, you know, well into the six figures, blah, blah, blah. And I I said, okay, okay. And I could just tell that he kind of felt like he had student loans under control. And like, and and so I said, Hey man, just out of curiosity, how much do you owe on your student loans? If you don't mind me asking. And as you can imagine, he said, um, (laughs) well, and I said, I just sat there and looked at him, you know, I just embraced that, that awkward silence. And, and he said, uh, I think I'm like right around like 60. Cause you know, I went back for, I went back for my master and he started telling me this story, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, uh, just out of curiosity, um, how much, uh, like, w- w- what's your interest rate? And he's like, oh gosh. Uh, you know, he starts looking up in the air. I said, I said, you know, just sat there and looked at him, you know, awkward silence. And he goes, I think, you know, cause my grad loans were a little bit more. So I, I think I'm like five and a half percent. I said, I said, okay, well, um, you, you said that, you know, you're, you, you don't need, you know, you're, you're good. Right. When are you going to be done paying off your loans? And he said, oh gosh, um, you know, I'll probably be paying them off for another eight or 10 years. I said, so don't really know how much you owe. You're not sure about your interest rate. You don't know when you're going to be done. I said, let's do this. How much do you currently pay each month? And he goes, oh, I pay $325 a month. I said, well, just like that, you could tell me how much money you're throwing over the wall each month, but you couldn't tell me any more relevant information. He laughed and he said, uh, yeah, can I give you my email to, to be put on the wait list? <laughs> <laughs> and so we kind of got a kick out of that because the reality is, you know, you get into this behavior of managing your student loans the way that the loan providers want you to, to manage them out of sight and out of mind. You're not worried about any key details, key information, um, you know, stuff that actually significantly impacts, you know, your financial um, stability and, and health. Right. And, and um, it's unfortunate. Uh, and so one of the big challenges through customer discovery was kind of breaking through that wall. Because so many people, when we would sit down and talk with them, either one, 
they felt embarrassed because they didn't know this information. Right. And, and that's, that's okay. You know, you if you walked up to me on the side of the road and say, Hey, talk to me about your mortgage. I would be like, uh, well, <laughs> you know, so there, there's that aspect to it. But also I think one of the things that that was such a driving force for us um, in this process was that going back to the fact that so many young people blame student loans for delaying really significant life milestones. And so to me, that kind of just um, affirmed that saying, hey, this is a big deal and we need to start helping more young people get a grip on their student loans. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you you ask somebody what they, you know, what their rate on their mortgage rate is and they spit it out in a heartbeat, right? 2.875. Um, I just, I just, I just refinanced nine months ago. My first payment was X, <laughs> but well, yeah, to and, your point, man, yeah, it, it, that's the thing. Like people get so, uber competitive about their mortgages, right? I'm kind of surprised that people don't get uber competitive about their student loans at the same time. Yeah, you're so right, man. You're so right. And, and here's the thing. What we've noticed is throughout this process, kind of to what you're alluding to, people do a lot of of research when it comes to buying a home, right? I mean, you spend months and months uh, looking for a house. You spend, you know, you, you know, sixty to ninety days going through the due diligence process and and underwriting and all that. I mean, there is absolutely no detail through that process that goes, you know, unchecked, right? And then the same thing for a car, right? You have to get pre-approved for a car loan. You you check out. You go, you know, drive a few cars around you know, you sit down and you, you haggle with the salesman, stuff like, so, and, and then for credit card debt, everybody swipes that card kind of with like a, a grin, right? They kind of know what they're getting into, yeah. you know, but for student loans, it's one of those asset classes that feels like it was, it, it was put on you without any, you know, other opportunity. And that's why so many people, man, you know, they, they, they feel crushed when it comes to student loans, Right. They feel like, man, this is an this is this is an, uh, an evil that I had no choice in doing. Right. Because it's like either A, I'm not going to go to school or B, I'm going to take out these loans that I didn't do any research on that. I didn't really have many options on. And the federal government is going to say, hey, this is what we'll give you. And this is how much you're going to pay. And this is at the rate that you're going to pay. You know, and so that's one of the psychological things that you see as it comes to debt across, you know, the different types of debt out there. So then which is, it's a crazy concept, right? I mean, um, everybody else is doing it, so I'll do it too, almost, right? Um, so you're going through this customer discovery phase. You're learning that people don't, they're embarrassed. They don't know. They're probably embarrassed that they don't know. They're also embarrassed by the fact that their student loan debt is as big as it is. Um, so you're starting to realize that the pain point is, is there, what what's next? What do y'all, what do you do after your customer discovery kind of validates that it's, it's worth a run at? Yeah. Yeah. So, so great question, more of a product question, right? So um, when you think about what we've uncovered through the customer discovery process, the next thing is, okay, how do we map those, those things that we've highlighted back to a solution on our end? Right. Because what we wanted to do was build for the problem. And, and I will say that there was a lot of lessons learned. We, we at times we built too much and tried to, to you know, take take on, you know, more features and, and, you know, development than we needed to do at the time or at certain times. 
Um, but our primary goal with APAY after accumulating so much information and, and things like that was to do three things. We wanted people to one, help them understand their student loans. Uh, the second thing was to help them track and keep track of their progress and monitor uh, their progress. And then the third thing was help them to get out of debt as quickly as possible and save money. So in the short of it is understand, track, and save. Those were the three things that we wanted to ultimately build out in the form of different types of features and functionalities throughout the uh, the product. And, and that really just goes back to, you know, when we talk about what do you know about your student loans? And most people can only tell you how much they're paying. So clearly we have a, a problem around understanding our student loans, right? And so how can we build features and functionalities in a product that better helps people understand. If you ask somebody today, hey, you know, talking about your student loans, and then, you know, you kind of get those blank stares. And then the follow-up question is like, you know, if you could better understand your student loans, would that be helpful? Yeah, of course it would, right? I mean, and, and th those aren't the, the questions you want to be a little bit more open-ended, of course, but that was our goal. How do we help people understand their student loans better? And then second, um, keep track of and, and, and keep track of your progress and monitor that progress. Right. Because at any given time, you know, if you're not sure like where you're at with your student loans, then how are you going to be able to, to put a plan in place or how are you going to you know, push yourself to, you know, save a little bit of money here and, and put it towards your student loans? And, and so that was this idea of like I want to at any given moment be able to have users or, or myself know exactly where I'm where I'm at. And then from there, you know, you kind of layer in different you know, gamification aspects into the product that helps users be able to, to achieve different milestones and, and be able to visually see, okay, hey, I paid off 2000, I paid off 3000, I paid off 5000. And they get that experience in the app. So understand one, number two, track, keep track of your student loans, your progress and so forth, and then save money, right? We want to help people get out of debt as quickly as possible and, and save money along the ways. And some of that might have been where we had, you know, affiliate partnerships with with refinance partners where it made sense. And that was one of the cool things about APAY is that if somebody loaded their sync their loans to the to the app, you know, we have built out the the appropriate logic within the app to to see if it might make sense to refinance. Because in my case, right, uh, we were living two and a half years with student loans at a rate of like six and a quarter percent. And what we'll do is if somebody if somebody sinks their loans to APAY, um, you know, we had the logic built out to say, OK, this is a private student loan because, you know, federal student loans have a totally different you know, criteria. But this is a private student loans and they're paying, you know, seven and a half percent. Let's look and see if we so we called that like our refi radar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it's just, you know, a simple tactic to say, hey, Let's make sure that we're giving them the opportunity to, to save money if it makes sense. And we go through that logic, give them the ability to compare and see how it might help them. Or also, by no means do we want to force somebody to, or, or, or like kind of pressure somebody to refinance if it doesn't make sense. Like, for example, refinancing a federal loan right now does not make sense at all. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, those are some of the things that, that we kind of uh, built out, um, throughout that, that process. So you, um, you you're starting to figure out how to build out the process. I imagine like some big ball with the decision tree on it and stuff like that. 
Um, and you'll probably tell me that's silly and that's so 1980s, but sorry, I'm just thinking big wall decision tree. How do you start to figure out what's the pricing policy on it? How do you make money? Yeah. So, um, from a, from a revenue standpoint, a lot of it was from, from the affiliate side. And then, um, we actually, just before this, uh, this, this next, I guess, update that I'll share about, um, we were moving into kind of our phase two of our monetization plan, which was the partnering with universities. And so, um, what we found out through actually, um, through, 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 through really the, the situation with COVID and, and, and stuff. Um, and we started looking for um, alternative monetization plans. Uh, one of the things that, that we found was that universities um, struggled to maintain relationships with their alumni because that they were uh, alumni associations, you know, unfortunately provide really um, irrelevant benefits and, and I, I hate to say that, but, you know, you get that email from your alumni once a month that says, you know, something totally out of left field and you swipe to archive. Right. Yeah. And you're like, but the reality was, is, is that we started talking with universities and says, hey, what's the number one problem uh, your your students are leaving school with? And I didn't even have to finish the sentence. They would say, yeah, student debt. Yeah. And I said, we would love to partner with you and provide a mobile app for your alumni, almost as an alumni benefit. And then in return, from a monetization standpoint, uh, we just give a little bit of real estate on the app to that university. So it's kind of like a win-win, right? Universities looked at it as a way that they kind of, um, you know, had that, you know, almost like good feeling, like, hey, we're, we're not just sending you out in this world with debt, but we're going to also provide this great alumni resource for you through APAY. And then in return, we would charge them um, a little bit, but uh, yeah, the, 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 the short of it though, is that we, we didn't make it to phase two of, yeah. uh, of our monetization plan. So we'll stick away from that for a few minutes. So, um, so you launched the business in 2019. Um, and at that point in time, I think it's kind of same time frame ish. you raise a f- friends and family, um, round. How, how did that, um, how were you able to go about executing that? And you don't have to talk about how much you raised or anything like that, right? But just, I mean, look, you um, you know you need to raise money. You're not serial entrepreneurs. Um, you've got a right. problem that, you know, seems solvable, but, you know, there's some other solutions on the marketplace. Everybody gets excited. Some people poke holes in it. How'd you go about raising money from, you know, that friends and family kind of initial seeding round? Yeah, so good question. And when you say friends and family, um, it's funny because we kind of use that term loosely because we never really crossed into that like seed round money. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there wasn't any like family involved, which is, <laughs> is, is fun. I mean, when I say family, Owen and I, we, we were the family um, yeah. there. The friends, though, we did raise from three different angels. Um, one of them was a, was a, a, a colleague um, that had um, shown a lot of interest just in, in, in what we were doing and wanted to be a part in some capacity and wrote us uh, a small check. Um, the other two um, were folks that I was introduced to. Um, you know, I have a ton of respect for a lot of the Charlotte guys um, that are involved and, and or, or excuse me, I should say the, the Charlotte folks that are involved in the, in the startup community. 
Um, like for example, Todd Bulow, one of the, the gentlemen that I sat down with, he introduced me to a handful of folks, Justin Adams. Um, he introduced me to, a, to, uh, tons of people as well. Um, getting to talk with you, William, um, you know, and, and so I am totally indebted to the, the kind people in Charlotte that said, yeah, sure. I'll sit down with you for 30 minutes. I don't mind. Um, and, and, you know, guys like yourself and Todd and Justin, you know, they get, they get folks day in and day out that want to, you know, Hey, listen to my startup idea. Let me, let me talk to you about my, my startup. Right. And, and so getting time with them and the kindness and generosity that, that they showed towards me really was what kind of led to us being able to raise. Right. And so I, I guess if I think about it, uh, Todd introduced me to Brian, uh, Brian ended up investing in APay and came on as a board. Brian then introduced me to uh, Rick, and Rick uh, invested in APay and came on um, our board. And so, I, I'll I, I don't want to over, uh, you know, make it sound like it was just all you know wonderful experiences. I talked to so many people, and I'll I mean I can't tell you how many of those conversations I left and I thought to myself, well, that went terrible. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's, that's okay. I mean, it's part of it. And throughout those conversations, I was able to kind of refine, you know, my thought process, refine, you know, what we were truly trying to do and how we were going to differentiate ourselves. And so um, first thing I'll say is, is you have to, you, as a, as a, as a, you know, early entrepreneur or, or, or somebody that's, that's interested in getting in this, but you, you have to just be okay with rejection. You have to be okay with sending out a ton of, you know, cold touch points and saying, Hey, I know you don't know me. And, 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 you know, but you know, I would love to, to talk with you if you had 15 or 20 minutes, stuff like that. And the worst that can happen is they say, no, you know, in, in my case, that happened to me countless number of times. And, um, and, but there were quite a few times where, uh, like for example, Todd, I, I, I reached out to him and, and, uh, and, and was asked him if I could meet. And he said, are you good with barbecue? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 I'm good with barbecue. You know, at that point he could have told, he could have asked me if I was good with octopus. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, yeah, let's meet for barbecue. And, uh, we sat down, had lunch together and I talked with him about APE. I showed him some early mock-ups and, uh, he kind of, I mean, he was so gracious because looking back on, on that material that I showed him, he probably should have just absolutely shut the door. So Blake, you got a long ways to go, brother. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, anyways, yeah. Moe's barbecue and, Ma and Matthews. Is, is that where you met him? Yes, sir. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So any entrepreneur needs to get a hold of, um, Todd Bulow, just go to Moe's. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> so, right. That's funny. So how did y'all, um, how did you allocate the capital? what y'all decide to do with the capital? that you were able to raise? Oh man, I wish I could, I wish I could say that we just allocated it like, like perfectly. Right. I mean, that would be great. But looking back, I'm like, you know, we spent money to help speed up development, um, which there was no rush, right? Like looking back on it, like it, it didn't need to be shipped the next day. And, and I will say there is some value of going quick, right? Yeah. Ship, ship early and often. Um, you know, but we spent more money trying to speed up development. We spent a little bit of money, um, you know, trying to, you, you know, run some ads here and there, stuff like that. But a lot of the, the, the money um, for us went to, you know, just maintaining it. Right. So I mean, we nowadays, when you start a business, it's like you have, you know, 
$15 for this service, $20 for that service, $30 for this, $100 for that. You turn around and you're like, man, I got about $1,000 worth of burn just in these software services that I use to maintain a business that's not even off the ground yet. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, so I say that there's a lot of learning lessons there. Um, but um, we we went through that, that capital um, about a year and a half, I'd say. And then at that point, um, we were right in the middle of COVID where um, there was zero investors that were interested in touching the student loan space. Yeah. And so we kind of transitioned into this, you know, um, bootstrapping uh, mentality, cut costs where we could. Um, you know, we went from, you know, using software to send out pitch decks to, you know, saying, hey, here's a PDF of what we have. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, so we bootstrapped from then um, until current state. So, yeah. So um, it's crazy to think, but um, we're kind of coming up on time here and we got about 10 minutes left. So, um, so COVID come, comes, you're cutting costs, um, you're, you know, building out application, you're building out user base, you're doing all the things that you need to do to set the, set the next stage, right? Like, as you said earlier, to, to onboard universities and, um, and go into phase two of your, of your business model or your revenue model. Um, at what point in time do you start having comp- uh, conversations with your acquisition? What will become your acquisition partner? Yeah. So the backstory there um, to, to kind of take a, a, a small step back um, when we launched APay, um, we started in, in May of 2019 we did customer discovery work and, and built out the product pretty much for the rest of the year. And we had a launch in January of 2020 and, you know, we're fired up, we're excited, we're ready to take on the world. And then, you know, February, <laughs> the, March, and April, then, then the world uh, hit you back, right? <laughs> yeah. February, March, and April comes COVID of that year. And so we had about three months where we were up and running. We had a few, um, iterations to the to their initial product at that point but then you know we got punched in the face with almost you know a death sentence in terms of of our product and our startup and 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 that was you know that the president said hey 45 million people with student loans you're you are not required to pay anything back right now everything's frozen and and i'll never forget when when that happened you know first and foremost you know we wanted we want to support what's what's best for, you know, the, the individuals out there that are, you know, being impacted by COVID. Right. So, you know, from one standpoint, we're like, Hey, we get it. From the other standpoint, we're kind of looking at each other saying, well, what do we do? What do we do? We we're building a product for people that have no responsibilities to their student loans right now. And, and, and this kind of goes back to the importance of having an incredible uh, co-founder, who was kind of, you know, he was in it with me. Um, right. And, and, um, I tell, I tell Taylor all the time that uh, my wife, Taylor, I said, having a co-founder is the closest thing to a marriage. That's not marriage. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, there's, there is, there's growing pains. There's there, you, sp- I spend, you know, you spend the entire day with somebody and, and stuff like that, but I had an incredible co-founder, um, number one. And then I had an, an awesome board, uh, of investors and, and they kind of came to me and said, listen, what's, what's the plan here guys. And, um, in my heart, I felt like 
that there was still an opportunity um, to continue if we could make it through. But hey, we're, you know, almost two years later and we're not through with COVID, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, to this day, folks are still not having to pay back their student loans. And so our board had legitimate questions. W- what's the plan? And, um, you know, we, we tried a few different pivots here and there along the way. Um, and eventually we started talking about, hey, is there a way to, to look for a sell? And we had a few opportunities where one in particular, um, I mean, we had signed a letter of intent and everything with a uh, micro private equity firm um, that was interested in, in basically taking APEI and, and ripping it apart and, and um, you know, doing something totally different with it. And I took that offer to the board and I said, hey, listen, this is the, this is, this is the offer we have. Um, and one of, one of our, our board members said, hey, if you could, if you could, could hold off, I, I think that, you know, we might be able to potentially, um, you know, potentially get this in front of some other folks. And then about a week later, I get an email from a director over at Ramsey Solutions and uh, says, hey, Blake. Uh, I just downloaded your app. Would love to talk with you. Uh, I think that there's a lot of, of overlap between what you guys are doing and what we've done here at Ramsey. And, uh, and I was just like beside myself. I said, I don't know what this means, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yes, you can definitely talk to me. I'll clear my entire calendar for the month. Um, and uh, so long story short, we talked with them. Um, and this was back in April of this year. So that was April, 2021. Yes. Yeah, so back okay. in April and um, uh, over months and months and months of conversation, I won't necessarily say negotiation, but a lot of conversations, a little bit of negotiation there. Um, we settled on an acquisition um, to be, to be bought by Ramsey. Um, and we are, uh, are taking the next steps to transition over the assets and, uh, and get started with, uh, with the new company. I mean, you think about it, it makes, I mean, it's, it's a great fit for the product, right? I mean, Ramsey's all about debt, debt pay down, no debt, um, you know, strategies to, to win in the debt solution game. So it's a, it's a great fit. Um, and it will, um, it should live a extraordinarily healthy life over there. Oh man, we're so excited. And we don't necessarily know what all is going to happen in the future. Um, right. Like w- w- what ultimately will, will kind of, um, you know, result in, in next steps as far as the product itself, right. They're, they're, they're a mature organization with that. That's building out a ton of digital products that, that are just incredible. Right. And then on top of that, I mean, like, um, if, if you look up their, their most recent documentary called borrowed future, where it dives deep into, um, the, the student loan crisis, incredible documentary. I would, I would definitely suggest, um, looking it up. You can find it on like prime, Amazon prime or, or, um, Apple TV or whatever it may be. Um, look that up and, and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of the things that we were doing for APEI, Right. And so it makes so much sense for us to, um, you know, join forces in a way we're excited. We, you know, we think that this is an incredible opportunity, um, you know, both from a professional standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to, uh, to be able to make our investors right. That's one of the, the things that was kind of looming for such a long time was like, hey, you know, we took on this, this money 
And uh, it, it helped us to, you know, become what we have, you know, built today. And, um, you know, the goal is always to, to, uh, to make a little bit of money on the other side of this. And so we're, we're excited for that as well. So, um, you know, as we kind of close in here, I mean, it's a really good point. What, um, Blake, how old are you now? 29. So you're 29 years old. Just, just had a, um, child number two, right? Yes. Yes. So, Charlie six weeks old, six weeks old. So you've had, you've had two kids, you've launched a business, you've had a business be acquired. Um, what, what does that mean to you over the course of the next 30 years? Right. What, not the two kids. I know what that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the experience that you learn, how do you see, um, what benefits do you envision it serving you in your career as you continue to move ahead? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I probably couldn't answer it in 30 seconds, but, but what I'll, what I'll say is that, um, you know, through, through this process, I've, I've just learned so much about the importance of, of perseverance, of relationships, of honesty, of, you know, being kind and generous. I mean, some of the things that, that, that we've experienced Owen and I together, um, has just been so impactful to, you know, our journey up to this point and then what the future holds. I'm not sure. Right. Um, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, this is going to launch us up to the next, like most incredible thing in the world, but we'll see. Right. But what I have taken away is that, you know, you, you, you prioritize relationships and, 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 you know, people over, you know, a dollar, right. Or, or, um, you know, and, and, and you, you, you see things like the way that, you know, my family and Owen's family has sacrificed for each other. I mean, there was nights where we were working up until two, three o'clock in the morning. And I remember FaceTiming my wife and, and my daughter at the time, uh, saying goodnight and yeah. just think to myself, like, man, I wish I was home for bed time right now. I wish I could read and wish I could rock her and put her to bed. But, you know, those are the sacrifices that you make, but also at the end of the day, it's like, you build, you build lifelong relationships and you learn a lot of lessons along the way. So what a, you, um, you actually, um, as you were launching the, or con, conceiving the concept and whatnot and thinking about launching the product, you were still at bank of America. You actually went and talked to bank of America and told them what you were thinking and going to do. Right. Um, uh, I mean, what a bold move to make at that point. I mean, it goes back to, you know, what you said earlier about that honesty aspect of, um, of letting those around, you know, what you're doing. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, and, and that was something that, uh, part of it was like, I just felt so passionate about it, but at the same time I knew I, I, I said, I thought to myself, Hey, listen, I could see this really turning into something significant for me. Um, but at the same time, at the time was with bank of America. And so, and so, I mean, it was a no brainer, right? It was, it was, Hey, this is something that I'm going to do on the side. Bank of America has absolutely no, um, you know, student loan products or anything of that nature to make it a competitive thing. And so, you know, I talked with my manager and, and went through the approval process of, of starting this and, 
And so, yeah, it, it is one of those things where, you know, kind of go by the books and, and um, you know, trust that when you do the right things, you know, things will work out. Yeah. So I've got to ask, I've been holding on to this question for, um, for, for 50 minutes at this point in time. Um, is your grandmom still alive? She is. She is. Thank you for asking. What did she, um, what did she tell? What did she, what's her thought process on your experience over the course of the last four years? Right. She told you to go out and sell, you sold for a year and it, it kind of launched you into in some way, shape or form. It launched you or gave you the tools to, to go out and sell your, your own entrepreneurial spirit and create your own company. So what was, um, what was her reaction along the way? Oh man. She, I mean, here, here's the thing. Like she, like I mentioned her, she's a, an immigrant entrepreneur. And so the things that she has been through in life, I can't even, you know, I mean, barely even compare. And I'm not talking about, you know, the money that's been made or whatever there. I mean, and just to be clear, we didn't raise any money from family. Um, (laughs) and so that was kind of hard for me is like, you know, I, I see my, my, entrepreneurial grandparents say would love to, you know, get some support, but, um, they have, they have been incredibly supportive in the sense of, of, you know, encouragement and talking through, I mean, she tells me stories. She's like, Hey, when, when your when your grandpa and I were, were, were young, there were times we had to take out money to pay, to, 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 to meet payroll. She was like, if you want to know about tough times, uh, try going to the bank to get money out to, to make payroll. For your employees and and so there a lot of times you know when i'm when i'm talking to her about some of the struggles or some of the highs you know she's kind of like even keel like there's there's you know there's no high or no low that can really change the way you know she kind of interacts with you so it, it's it's great and, and and she's one of those people too that it's like you know no matter how hard you work she still believes that you could work a little bit harder so <laughs> so so still earning some respect then, huh? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So that's cool, man. I mean, as we were talking about before the, uh, before we hit the record button is, um, you know, I had a chance to talk to you back in 2018 and, you know, y'all built a super impressive product and, um, you know, you learned a lot, the execution that y'all had and just being able to kind of walk through some of that execution today super helpful for, for other folks, you know, young and old. I mean, I think y'all did a, a great job on, um, you know, really putting one foot in front of the other, doing it in a quick pace and, and coming out the other end with a nice product and, um, and, uh, you know, an exit that, um, you know, is, is a great exit and a, a great opportunity for y'all and the product to continue to do well going forward. So congratulations to y'all. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for talking with me. Um, I appreciate your, your friendship and, and, uh, and all the, the times that you've given feedback and advice along the way. So, all right, well, we're, um, we'll look forward to seeing you on some trips back uh, from time to time to Charlotte and um, hopefully see you in the startup scene when you're back here from time to time. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, William. Thanks, Blake.
asset is owner of and an investment advisor representative of Portis Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.